0: Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. A lesson from the prophet found in the book of Leviticus, chapter 16, verses 29 through 34. This shall be a statute to you forever. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall deny yourselves, and you shall do no work, neither the citizen nor the alien who resides among you. For on this day, atonement shall be made for you, to cleanse you. From all your sins, you shall be clean before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of complete rest to you, and you shall deny yourselves. It is a statute forever. The priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement wearing the linen vestments, the holy vestments. He shall make atonement for the sanctuary. He shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar and he shall make atonement for the priests, for all the people of the assembly. This shall be an everlasting statute for you, to make atonement for the people of Israel once in the year for all of their sins. And Moses did as the Lord had commanded him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: I'd like to invite the children who are here in the sanctuary to come and join me up here if you'd like. And since this rail is closed for communion, that means we've got to go around this way and come up and join me over here. And if you're worshiping online, just come a little closer to your screens. I love seeing the pictures that people send me of their kids uh, worshiping on live stream and sitting up close for this time together. So come on up. Hello again. Good morning. Good morning. Have a seat. Come on up. So glad to see all of you. Well, we got some ice this week, but we didn't get any snow to play in, did we? Oh, well. Maybe we'll have one more shot at getting some snow. Come on up. And then it will be Christmas Day. And then it'll feel like Christmas Day, won't it? That's exactly right. Snow makes it feel like Christmas again. That's right. That's right. Well, welcome, everyone. I want to tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was a little boy named Thomas, and he went over to his best friend Henry's house. They played together a lot, and Henry had some really cool monster truck toys. Some of them made really cool noises. They had big wheels, and they just loved playing with the monster trucks together. Well, Thomas was playing with one of those monster trucks, and one of the wheels came off. Now, Henry didn't see that happen because he was in the kitchen getting a snack, a healthy snack, an apple, and so Thomas just kind of set the truck aside, and he didn't say anything to Henry. Henry didn't notice, and they kept playing, and then Thomas went home. A couple days later, they saw each other at school, and Henry said, I'm really sad because one of my monster trucks is broken. I don't know what happened. I think it was my baby sister. And Thomas thought, oh, I don't feel very good about this. Maybe I should tell him, but he was kind of ashamed of himself, and so he didn't say anything. But that night when he went to bed, he couldn't go to sleep. His tummy hurt a little bit. He was so worried about it. And so he decided the next day he was going to tell Henry. So he went to school the next day, and when they were on the playground about to play kickball, Thomas took Henry aside and said, Henry, I need to confess something. I need to tell you something. I was the one who broke the wheel off your Munster truck. I didn't mean to. I'm really sorry. And Henry said, well, oh, that's okay. My mom fixed it, so it's all okay now but I'm glad you told me because I thought you were acting a little weird. So now that I know, it's all okay. And they hugged each other and went to play kickball together. Sometimes if we've done something wrong or something we feel bad about, we want to keep it a secret and hold it in. And sometimes, especially if it's with a friend, it kind of gets in the way of our friendship. They can tell something's wrong. And it's important for us to say, here's the truth and be honest, and confess if we've done something, and that helps the friendship be better. We've just learned about um, a story in the Bible where God is telling the people, it's okay to tell me if you've done something wrong, because I love you no matter what, and it'll make us closer if you do. Let's pray together. Gracious God, sometimes it's hard to admit when we've done something wrong. We'd really rather keep it a secret sometimes but it's hard to hold on to, and it doesn't make us feel very good. So help us to be honest with the people we trust and we love and admit when we've done something and know that we can be forgiven and everything will be made right. Thank you for loving us and forgiving us always. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you're three, four, or five, you can go to Children's Church with Pastor Maggie. I, I'm three or five. Great. Well, you can go with Pastor Maggie. And if you're older than that, you can go back and sit with friends. I'm three. You're three. Perfect. You're four.
0: Good.
1: Uh Uh-oh. little old for Children's Church, but you can go back and sit with your family. Are you going to Children's Church? No? Do you want to just sit? On Friday... I found out that we have 177 people who have signed up to read the Bible together this year. Isn't that wonderful? We had hoped for 150, and we have 177 so far who have signed up. And I know there are a few others who are reading along and just haven't signed up yet. I'm hoping that after this week, we still have 177. (laughs) I've run into some of you this week and gotten some looks. All right, what is up with Leviticus? How do we interpret this book? How do we read this book? There's so much about the book of Leviticus that feels very strange to us. It feels foreign. It comes from a different moment in time, a different kind of culture with all of its talk of sacrifices and skin diseases and some of its perspectives on women and sexuality and all of the stuff about clean and unclean foods. And it can be overwhelming and not make a whole lot of sense. And so we could be tempted to say, well, I'm just going to skip over Leviticus and move on to Numbers. Well, Numbers isn't much easier either for us. But I think as always, we are holding these texts that our ancestors in the faith have passed down to us as sacred. And though we may not take every word literally, we must take it seriously. And lean into it and listen for where God might be stirring in these words, in these pages, in these stories for us. So that's what we're going to do together for just a few minutes this morning. Is lean into this ancient sacred book and listen for what God might reveal to us in its midst. If you're not reading along, or if perhaps you are reading along, but aren't quite sure where we are in the whole arc of the story, in Exodus, the people of Israel, the tribes of Jacob, are enslaved in Egypt. God calls Moses to lead them out of Egypt, to deliver them out of slavery, to usher them through the, the wilderness until they arrive at the promised land. And so Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, these three books that we're about to launch into, all take place when Israel is on that journey, a journey that ends up taking 40 years. So God, we might think, is using this time to shape the 12 tribes of Israel into a people, into a people who can reflect some of who God is to the world, a particular chosen people for a particular role in the world. And so God gives them laws and God teaches them and guides them along the way. And this book of Leviticus is basically a manual for the priests of the people. There are 12 tribes of Israel. The tribe of Levi is designated to be the priestly tribe. And so they have a handbook Did you know that we have a handbook too? United Methodist pastors have what we call the United Methodist Book of Worship. And in it are all sorts of guidelines around consecrating communion. It even says things like, the pastor shall lift their hands at this point or place their hands over the elements. Did you know that after communion, we are supposed to take the wine, the juice and the bread and treat them in a particular way. The the juice should either be drunk or poured into the ground. Not put down the drain to go somewhere, but put back into the ground that the earth might reabsorb it. The bread is supposed to be either eaten or sprinkled on the ground for the birds and the animals to consume, not just thrown into the trash and taken to the dump. So as United Methodist Pastors, we have a guidebook And so it was for the Levites, the priests of the people. These are instructions about how to conduct the sacrifices, how to offer forgiveness for people as they come forward for worship, how to lead in worship, what to wear. All of that is in the book of Leviticus. And this text that I've chosen for this morning offers some guidelines around a particular holy day. The Day of Atonement. Now our Jewish friends still mark this day, they call it Yom Kippur, it usually comes around in the fall. And it is a day somewhat similar to our Ash Wednesday, a day when we gather and confess that we are not all God has created us to be, that we have fallen short, that we have all sinned, we all need grace, we all need forgiveness. And that was what this day of atonement was meant to be once a year for the people to come forward all together and confess their sins before God and have those sins forgiven and removed. So we didn't hear it in the specific text that was written, but in the early parts of chapter 16, the ritual is described. The priest of the people would would come to the tent of meeting. Now, at this point, he would have already sacrificed in the tabernacle, the place of worship on behalf of himself and all of his household, because he too needed forgiveness and cleansing and a new beginning with God. So he would have done that already. Then he comes to the entrance of the tent of meeting with two goats, and he casts lots, rolls the dice, to see which would be goat number one and which would be goat number two. Goat number one would be sacrificed in the tabernacle for the cleansing and forgiveness of the people's sins. There was a theology and an understanding that somehow the flow of blood, the blood of life, was cleansing and renewing and would offer forgiveness. That's a whole other conversation we can have later. But the other goat, goat number two, had a different role. The priest would spiritually, figuratively gather up all of the sins of all the people that they had confessed together. He would lay his hands on the head of this goat, symbolically laying all of the burdens, all of the failures, all of the sins, all of the mistakes, all of the brokenness of all the people onto this goat. And then the goat would be led into the wilderness and set free. So imagine that you are among the people carrying with you the the guilt and shame of things perhaps you've said or not said or done or not done. And with all of the people you watch as those sins are carried away, forgiven and forgotten, released. And the priest announces to you and to all the people that your sins are forgiven and it is a new day. There's power in that image, in that symbolism, in that ritual. Now as Christians, we look at this ritual, we look at these practices through the lens of Christ, through the lens of the New Testament. And we have the book of Hebrews which we'll get to later in the fall. And the writer of Hebrews looks at some of these ancient rituals from the days in the desert with God's people and reinterprets them to say that Jesus, the Christ, is like that goat who takes upon himself all the sins of the world and carries them away. We sometimes hear Jesus referred to as the Passover lamb, a similar image, removing from us as far as the east is from the west, so far does God remove our sins from us. Now, we believe this was done once and for all in Jesus. And so the truth is, we are already forgiven. God has already poured out upon all of us grace upon grace upon grace. And yet, as human beings, we still hold on to things. I myself feel this way, and I've talked with so many of you who feel this way, that it is, I know God forgives me, but I just can't forgive myself. Have you ever felt that way? And I think that's why these kinds of regular practices of confession are good for us. Like the little boy in the story, he needed to tell his friend so that the relationship between them would be clear and open In the same way, I think we need to confess. We need to name things in God's presence. Not so we can earn God's forgiveness and not so God will like us again. But so that we can clear out our hearts to receive once again the forgiveness and grace that is already ours. And so we have these practices. Every Sunday morning, you've probably noticed, when we come into worship... We come in singing God's praises. We have our call to worship, our gathering time, and then we confess together. There's power in confession, and there's power in corporate confession. You may look at that prayer on some Sundays and think that mm, that doesn't really apply to me. I don't, but it applies to someone in this body. It applies to to us as a people, to, to our generation. There's power in recognizing that we're all in this together. No sin is better or worse than another. We are all broken and in need of God's grace. And there are powerful moments when the people of God confess together and receive once again the reminder that we're forgiven. So we no longer have the two goats at the entrance to the temple. But we have the bread and we have the cup. And in a few moments, we're going to hear those words of Jesus again when he lifted up the bread and said, This is my body, broken and given for you in love. And in this cup is my blood, poured out willingly for you for the forgiveness of sins for you and for all people we will all be reminded once again of God's grace that is already offered to us and so I want to invite you as I feel invited also by this ancient text as you come to the table today if there is something your soul is holding on to if there's something you feel guilt or shame about, not about who you are, but about something maybe you've done, some words you said you wish you could take back, sometime you, you remain silent when you wish you had spoken, sometime when an action of yours had consequences and did harm that you didn't intend, or when you took an action and you really did intend harm and now you wish you could take it back, if you feel burdened by the sin of the past, if you'll feel burdened by the sins of our generation or generations past and you carry it with you, bring it to the table. And just as we can see that goat, that scapegoat, carrying it off into the wilderness, may we trust that Christ takes our burdens away thanks be to God.